The war in Yemen has been characterized by the destruction of healthcare facilities and the spread of disease and hunger as apparent means of waging war. Millions of people in Yemen are now at risk of starvation. A massive cholera outbreak has killed at least 2,000 people, and half of healthcare facilities in the country are reported to be non-functional. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Amir Moharib, a fellow in infectious diseases at Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Dr. Moharib has co-authored a perspective article about the medical disaster and devastation in Yemen. Dr. Moharib, can you tell us a bit about the history of this war in Yemen? Yes. Yemen has been plagued with internal violence for several decades. In 2011, after a wave of revolutions were taking place across the Middle East, so too was a revolution taking place in Yemen against Ali Abdullah Saleh. He was the person in power in Yemen for over 33 years. At that time, in 2011, he transferred power to his successor, Hadi. And Hadi's government was tasked with creating a power-sharing resolution, eventually leading to elections and drafting a new constitution. Unrest and frustration with that transition resulted in several armed groups in the country rebelling against them. And the party or the armed group that gained enough popularity to overtake the capital city is a group called the Houthis, based in the northern part of Yemen. They took over in September of 2014. And in response, a number of Gulf states, including Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and several other countries, along with support from the U.S. under that time under the Obama administration. They formed a coalition and started airstrikes against the Houthi rebels in power. And so that started from March 2015, and that war has been waging ever since. You say in your article that 39 hospitals were bombed during the first seven months of the conflict, and hospitals and clinics continued to be destroyed. Do those attacks appear to be deliberate? Are medical facilities being intentionally targeted? It's always difficult to say what the intention of the warring parties are. We have very little information about what the ostensible targets of these kinds of attacks are coming, especially the aerial bombardments. However, what we do know are that many of these hospitals and clinics, for example, those operated by Doctors Without Borders and other humanitarian organizations, are clearly marked. Their coordinates are shared with the Saudi government, which is the government responsible for most of these airstrikes. And there is very little in the way of investigation or change in operations after such an airstrike attacks a healthcare facility. So whether it's the result of deliberate targeting or of recklessness or negligence, the result on the ground is the same. When a hospital is attacked or a humanitarian agency is forced to stop their operations for fear of the lives and the survival of their relief workers, the effect is horrendous on the local population, much of which is internally displaced persons within Yemen. You also say in your article that in violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention, medical staff and medical supplies have been restricted from reaching the populations that need them. So who are the health professionals who are still assisting on the ground and what's their role been during the war? Well, from what we know from physicians and relief workers that we've spoken to in Yemen, there are many Yemeni physicians who are still operating throughout the country. They do so at grave risk to themselves, as they're often the sites of these kinds of attacks. And they're operating with very little resources. There are reports of hospitals running out of supplemental oxygen, vast shortages in 
medications and vaccines. And the other disease that is taking over Yemen is famine, is malnutrition. And so stockpiles of food is not reaching the populations most at need. And so in addition to several international relief agencies, such as Doctors Without Borders and the International Rescue Committee, there is also local physicians and local hospitals who are operating often under the threat of their own lives. You also talk about infections, including cholera, that have essentially become weapons of war. How did those outbreaks begin and who's being affected by them? Prior to this war, Yemen was the poorest country in the Middle East. And there was cholera in Yemen prior to this war. There was an outbreak in 2011. But the magnitude of this outbreak is just dwarfs that prior epidemic. The first case of cholera in Yemen was during this outbreak was seen in September 2016. From then until March of 2018, one study demonstrated more than 1 million cholera cases, or at least suspected cases based on their definition with more than 2,000 deaths. The people who are most affected by this are children. Children under the age of 15 account for much of the population of Yemen, almost half of all of Yemeni civilians, and children less than five accounted for almost 30% of the suspected cholera cases. The cholera cases go right up to the present. So the last data we have from Yemen comes out from last month in November of 2018, showing that there's upwards 12,000 weekly cases of cholera. So the cholera epidemic continues and marches on, and much of it is because of the reasons that we mention in the article. Cholera treatment facilities are being attacked. Water and sanitation is still under a very, very kind of poor infrastructure in much of the country, and essential antibiotics and cholera vaccines are not reaching the populations that would most benefit from them. What's going to happen next? Is there any hope that the war will be over soon? Well, there's always hope. Earlier in December of uh, 2018, there was a truce signed by the main belligerents in this war, the Houthi leaders and the Gulf Coalition, who are conducting this bombardment with the support of the United States. They met in Sweden and signed a truce with regards to one of the major focuses of the war, which is the port city of Al-Hudaydah. Al-Hudaydah represents port of entry for much of the aid and for that would reach most of the civilian population. So that would be very hopeful if they can open up that port and allow aid to reach the population. But the terms of the conflict continue. So we still have to wait to see if this will lead to actual truce or a treaty that leads to a political resolution. What we say in the article is that regardless of the political conflict or where someone might stand and who's right or wrong about this conflict, the safety of medical personnel should be tantamount and they should never be targets of war. And so, for example, countries in Western Europe, including the United States, who have any party or action in relation to the war should use their influence to demand that hospitals, healthcare facilities, cholera treatment plants, and so on stop being targets of bombardment. So when the war does finally end, what kind of medical and public health needs are there going to be in Yemen and what can be done? Well, I think the first thing that would be needed is the end of the blockade. When the blockade around Yemen's ports of entries end, then it'll allow aid workers and supplies of food to reach the populations at need. And malnutrition represents probably the most imminent threat to the most number of Yemeni civilians. So, for example, Save the Children released an estimate of 85,000 of children that may have already 
died of starvation, and that's mostly as a result of the blockade. So having food supplies and nutrition reach much of the internally displaced population will probably be the first priority. Other priorities would be increasing vaccination coverage for preventable diseases that we've seen take hold in Yemen. So in addition to cholera, that means measles, diphtheria. There's concern for polio outbreaks in certain parts of the country as well. The other thing is simply an epidemiologic toll of what has happened. We don't know how many people have died in Yemen, and the estimates have ranged from 10,000 to 5,000 to 80,000. And so the numbers keep changing because we don't have good personnel on the ground to take the toll of what's needed and what's being done. Finally, what role can individual physicians play in advocating for the end of these violations of medical neutrality that you describe in Yemen? Well, we say that regardless of anyone's position or knowledge of the specifics on the ground in Yemen, the thing we should all be able to agree on is the sanctity of healthcare workers and hospitals to be able to continue to help civilians in need. So, for example, in the United States, according to international agencies and including Human Rights Watch, the United States is a party to the war in Yemen. We have supported the Saudi-led coalition through aerial refueling. By many accounts in the American government, we have military personnel who support the American-made planes and the American-made equipment that are being used in these aerial bombardments. We also have a diplomatic role to play as well. We are probably the closest allies to, certainly the closest military ally to some of the countries in the Gulf coalition that are involved in the war. So we should advocate that this military aid and this military munition sales come with some responsibility and consequence for when they are used against physicians. There was a Senate resolution in the United States that was bipartisan supported in December that passed calling for an end to military munition sales to the Saudi government, but such a resolution didn't make it to the floor of the House of Representatives. So that is probably a bill that will come up with a new session in the House. Other countries in Western Europe are also involved with munition sales to some of the belligerents in this war and should also use whatever influence they can have to demand the same. And then finally, we have the United Nations, which is the venue where we should advocate that our governments demand an end to these kinds of hostilities. And otherwise, we'll probably see ongoing suffering as we have seen for the last several years in Yemen. Thank you, Dr. Maharb.